Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is, you guessed it, presented in part by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to tell them those cool nerds from Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. We're getting closer to the mine, and that comes with a whole other host of anxieties. Is this the family issues that you were talking about in the block and tackle? Fuck the moon hammers. Fuck the moon hammers. Clink. Yeah, it would be that. I wanted the Windhelms to go to war with the Moonhammers. My father was a Windham, my mother was a Moonhammer. Ah. My mother is the niece of King Balmoral Moonhammer. All of that went to shite when my mother died. And I'm not sure what to expect when we get there. Lock, right? Right. You gotta teach me how to shoot somebody's weapon out of their hand? That seems awesome. Well, they're powerful, but dangerous. You're not my mom. What I'm asking you is if you could teach it to me. To handle one of these, you need grit. Is that something you have? I got tenacity. How did I survive this far? Of course I got grit. We'll see. Here we are. I couldn't help myself. Well, now you have a recording of that forever. <laughs> yeah, I do. And, and you know what? I'm really tempted just to leave it at the front of the episode. Like the, <laughs> the that theme song is going to fade out. It's just going to be that. Yeah. That's what's going to greet our listeners. When we get like a soundboard, like the fancy podcast, that'll just be one of the things. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest button on that soundboard just needs to be Luckbeak saying his consequences have action. Yeah. Or that, was that name he always uses? Stephen Monceau. Stephen Monceau. <laughs> I think I've confused myself on whether it's Stephen or Stefan. I think it's Stephen. It, it was Stefan originally, but I like that it's not being consistent. Okay. <laughs> it flops over. It happens. Yeah. It depends on the day and the person. Uh huh. All right. Let's play Dungeons and Dragons. So, you guys are still, yet again, at least for now, on the back of the storm rig, the Dust Cleaver. And it has just pulled up to this massive stone bulwark at the end of a weaving natural tunnel, a cave that went into the mountain in the middle of this storm. As you approach, you see that there are two massive ballistas on either side of this large arcing portcullis. You can see that there are dwarves in Moonhammer livery manning the ballistas and on the ramparts of this bulwark. One of them makes a hand gesture and the portcullis raises and the storm rig rolls through, but slows to a stop because there is a second bulwark with another portcullis in front. The portcullis behind you drops closed. 
and what appears to be some sort of captain of the guard type dwarf steps forward towards the front of the rig and shouts up to camshaft who is driving all right i'll need you all to state names for the record all of your passengers camshaft would like kind of gesture for everyone to step forward a little bit and he says uh tofer camshaft leadfoot lauren lugnut leadfoot olivia gasket leadfoot it's william Locke. rolla iron dust ravness uh look be humble i am so tempted to stay stefan munso i was thinking about <laughs> it <laughs> uh tanner is thinking that but marco just says marco astorio and finally brohane is there and he goes brohane windhelm and with that the guard kind of has a a subtle reaction he kind of cocks his head slightly and writes it down and says something to the guard next to him but nonetheless makes a hand gesture and the portcullis raises and you are allowed to drive through. The engine of the storm rig spurns to life once again and you slowly roll into this gigantic natural cavern. You see there is a sprawling settlement filling the entire cavern, buildings of various shapes and sizes, all made of very intricately cut and carved stone supported with big wooden timbers. You see a row of warehouses along the one thoroughfare to the left, and in fact, that is the direction that the storm rig is slowly crawling. Across from that is probably the largest single structure in this place, a huge, long, building that almost extends from the front of the settlement all the way towards the center, several hundred feet long, easily. It appears to be like a large alehouse or, or something to that effect. You can see that there is a large circular rotunda type building that has like a trail of smoke coming up from it. It looks like it's a massive smithy where you can see through the pillars that support this large stone top. There are dozens and dozens of dwarves working away on various weapons and tools and other implements. You can even see across the way a large multi-leveled structure that seems to be built into the wall of the cavern. It has the appearance and effect of like a, a manor or a small palace almost. And then spreading out um, to either side of that, almost filling all of the other space is layers of these tiered like squat longhouses that appear to be residences for the miners. And I should also note that the entire cavern is lit by several magic glowing orbs floating near the top of the cavern. So you do have this kind of like present sunlight analog. Are we talking like a kind of uh, like, is it kind of like a bluish sort of light or is it like the whole place is kind of lit up normal? Like um, it's it's not uh, it's it's a warm light, but it uh, the effect along the ceiling seems to be like a super sized dancing lights. OK, yeah. So it's a couple like kind of undulating like globules of light, but they're like on a really big scale. Like each one is probably like eight, eight or ten feet around and they float kind of dancing around each other way near the top of the cavern. Solid. All right. I just um, as mage game respecting game, you know, <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yep. Um, As the rig pulls up to the supply depot. You see that there is a handful of dwarven workers there that seem to be anticipating your arrival and step forward to begin unloading the cargo. Brawla hops down and approaches a dwarf and gives him a hearty handshake and goes, Ah, Lamont, we have another shipment for you. Brawla, good to see you as well. 
he gestures for his workers to begin unloading the supplies that you were instructed to bring here. He is going to reach into his pocket and pull out what looks like a money sack and we'll hand that to Rala. And you guys are just kind of chilling on the rig for now. I think first, just to, to get it out of the way, I would go to Camshaft and just be like, hey, um, could you point me in the direction of somebody who's heading back to Storm's Eye today? Someone trustworthy. Well, um, after we unload here, we'll be heading over to the pit stop. If they're still on schedule, the, the wind piercer should be there and we'll probably be heading out soon. According to the schedule we've been going on, the storm rider should have already left by now. Well, all right then. Um, I'll head over there afterwards. Thank you so much, Camshaft. Give him a clap on the back and let him keep working. Yep. Yeah, go back and sit <laughs> down and wait patiently. Sure. Uh, I'm going to approach, um, I don't know, Brawla, I guess, and be like, hey, uh, how long is our stop over here? Well, uh, we usually take a, a couple days. It won't take long for the Leadfoots to uh, swap out their cylinders or whatever they need to do to get going again. But uh, this will be the uh, most secure, softest bed you'll have until we get all the way back to Storm's Edge. So uh, we usually don't rush. Yeah. Why are you in a hurry? No, not at all. In fact, the longer we can stay away from Storm's Eye, the better, to be honest with you. <laughs> so uh, just curious, just trying to figure out if I should, uh, you know, just stick around the, the ship or find something to do. Alrighty. Brohane is going to, on the back of Ira, kind of crawl off the side of the storm rig and kind of sit there. And uh, he's going to, like, hop off and stretch his legs a little bit and seem to, taking the moment to let uh, Ira kind of flex her joints and stuff as well, uh, now that they have more space and no longer confined to the storm rig. At this, the dwarf that Brawla was talking to, this Lamont that she called him, kind of looks at him and cocks his eyebrow and goes, there was only one dwarf that I knew of that had a contraption like that. And Brohane say, what of it? And Lamont will say, you wouldn't happen to be Brohane Windhelm, would ya? Brohane kind of like squares his shoulders a little bit, but doesn't say anything. And the other workers who were unloading the cargo kind of stop for a moment and they look to see what's going on. And Lamont continues. All the way out here, we heard the tantrum you were throwing and what you were trying to do to the Moonhammers. And you think you can just walk right into this place unscathed. He takes like a step forward and the other workers who are kind of like following his lead a little bit stop what they're doing and their attention is now like intently on Brohane and by extension the rest of you. So this this guy is like, well, wait, who, who sorry, who is it that's doing this? It's the foreman here at the supply depot. Okay, so he's like stepping up to Brohane? Basically, yeah. Um, yeah, Ravnus is probably going to get closer and like put a hand on her sword because she's gonna she's gonna be ready to throw hands for Brohane. Yeah, same. <laughs> you do that and he kind of glances at you with a look of disgust on his face and he's like, you should know better than to stay out of Dwarven Affairs. He says that to me? Yeah. I don't care if it's Dwarven Affairs or not. He's part of our crew. Well, I mean, you should probably stay out of Voidfair Affairs in my opinion. I don't know what the fuck a Voidfair is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the fuck you are. He looks past the both of you. You gonna let them fight your fights for you? Did you have them to take on the Moonhammers when you were so keen on conflict then? Brohane is standing his ground and just like glaring 
at this guy, and he takes another step forward, placing his hand on the hilt of his maul that he has on his belt. Uh, Nick, I'm going to go ahead and cast Detect Thoughts on this uh, uh, Lamar guy. Sure. Uh, does he get a saving throw? Um, or is it just... Nope. Uh, I initially learned the surface thoughts of the creature. What is most on its mind in that moment? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't appear to be misleading anything. He he definitely has recognized Brohane and is familiar with what Brohane's recent political stances against the Moonhammers are and seems to be taking it upon himself to uh, do something about it, run Brohane out. Uh, you're, you're unsure. At that point, that's beyond surface level. So I'm going to probe deeper, which means he gets a wisdom saving throw. I want to know okay. if his intention is to intimidate or to kill or hurt Brohan. He got a 16. Hmm. I'm going to pretend I know how spells work. Uh, what's my... <laughs> what? What? What is... Uh, 8 plus your casting stat plus proficiency, I think. Yeah. Uh, 8 plus proficiency plus I th- it would be your intelligence. So that's a, a 8 plus proficiency plus modifier, so 12. Okay, yeah, he beats it. Okay, uh, if he beats it, um, then... The spell ends. Either way, the target knows that you're probing into his mind, and unless you shift your attention to another creature's thoughts, the creature can use its action on its turn to make an intelligence check contested. Oh, I see. So he knows I'm doing it. Okay. Yeah. You succeed in, like, getting the surface level's thoughts, which weren't anything surprising. You're right. And then when you try to probe deeper, you're actually surprised to find that he has blocked you out, because he doesn't look like a smart individual. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately looks and makes eye contact with you and grimaces. Did you get off the storm rig or did, no. are you still like standing up? You're still standing up yeah. there. So, but he shifts his attention back to Brohane and says, Your friends have lots of tricks up their sleeve. Will they be able to stop me from pummeling you half to death? And I'll take another step forward. And at that, there is the motion of several individuals approaching. You see a dwarven woman dressed in very ornate, almost ceremonial looking armor with like a velvet cape. And uh, she is flanked on either side of her with in total four guards with the Moonhammer insignia upon their chests and shields. She says, Lamont Stagfist, do you have any idea who you're talking to? And this dwarf who has been antagonizing Brohane and the rest of you turns and says, you're Torhild. Ah, uh, aye, this is Brohain Windhelm of Clan Windhelm. She's going to say, Aye, that might be true, but he's also the grandnephew of King Balmoral Moonhammer himself, and he should be treated with the respect that that station entitles him. With that, uh, you see <laughs> Lamont immediately looks nervous, and he kind of cowers. Well, uh, apologies, Jarl. Uh, I, uh, uh, meant no offense. Well, you best finish unloading this cargo here so we can get these tools in the hands of our miners. And in fact, while you're at it, you should give them a hand personally yourself instead of barking orders to your men. Uh, and he kind of like stammers and like, yeah, 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 yes, you are. And him and his men finish unloading the cargo. And she was going to step forward um, and address uh, Brohane Brala and the rest of you. She's going to say, Brohain Windhelm, my apologies for the hostility, and I assure you it, it bears no indication of the hospitality you will be receiving with your visit here. In fact, both yourself and your consort, she gestures to Brala, 
will be treated to the most highest quality accommodations that we can provide up in our clan lodge. I would insist that you follow us now so that we can follow the proper decorum for the arrival of someone as important as yourself. Accommodations will be provided for yourself, your consort, and your staff, she says, gesturing to you guys, <laughs> and they will be able to meet you at the clan lodge later. Brohane goes, oh, oh, she's not my umbrella goes, that sounds absolutely perfect. We will gladly take you up on these accommodations. Isn't that right, honey? <laughs> <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Whatever gets this interaction over with the fastest. And he'll turn to you guys and go, all right, well, I guess uh, <laughs> you got a nice place to stay for the night if you want to meet us up at the clan lodge later. And for now... I'm going to try really hard not to just kill Brawler where she stands. <laughs> hey, I heard that. And you can certainly try. <laughs> <laughs> and they will leave with this Jarl Torhild Moonhammer, the leader uh, and overseer of this mine. Everything is so intense <laughs> here, apparently. Yeah, for real. Even their compliments are intense. <laughs> dwarves <laughs> yeah not the uh not the most welcoming place in the world so far huh i feel like there's a uh, even some unspoken rules or something about these beds that were taken that like i'm gonna owe them something i don't know it just feels weird yeah i'm getting similar vibes uh well but i, I don't get me wrong i mean i ain't staying on the on the boat uh should we i don't know see what's here i mean Kind of like a mining site. I doubt there's much interest in. Well, I do need to drop this letter off at the pit stop, so I'm probably going to head over there first. After that, uh, I'll be honest, I don't think there's a lot here for me. I mean, Real quick, does Luckbeak think that all vehicles are, are boats? boats? <laughs> I think he uses that <laughs> word to refer to uh, to most vehicles, yeah. <laughs> Slow this boat. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a land boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's well, a car? I like that. That's cute. <laughs> uh, I like it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. There probably ain't a whole lot here. I don't know. You don't think there's something in a in these mines? What if they dug up some? I don't know. Some ancient script or uh, I don't know. Something interesting. Yeah. Well. Do I you was, care if they did? I would certainly be interested personally. So. But luck beak. Oh hell no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I could give two shits. Uh I don't know. Maybe there's a place that has ale though. I care about that. Yes, I heard there was a uh a bar of sorts around here. Hmm. Alright. And let's go there. Lugnut who's kind of standing by and making sure that these dwarves that are unloading stuff aren't damaging the storm rig at all will say, uh all right, if you head over there, we'll be heading over to the pit stop. So if you need anything, you can always hit us up there. All right. Marco, you got to go deliver that letter, though, huh? Yeah, I'll meet you all over at the uh, alehouse. I'm sure you shouldn't be too hard to find. Yeah, I'm going to take a look around, too. Well, why don't we all meet there in, I don't know, 20 minutes or so? All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So, uh, Marco, you're going to head back to the pit stop. I would imagine, are you just going to, like, wait for this to be, like, done being unloaded and then head there with Leadfoots or... Uh... Yeah, I don't I don't think walking is a great option. Yeah, it nothing's too terribly far away. Um mm, but okay. also like you not knowing exactly where you're going. Yeah, I'll just kick up my feet and help. I'll maybe help with small boxes that I have the ability to carry. 
Uh, you, you're trying to help and, uh, you kind of just find yourself getting in the way. And when one of the dwarf workers swears at you very harshly in Dwarven, um, you, you quickly realize that you're being, uh, more of a detriment than an aid here. <laughs> I'd be a little snippy at that guy. It's like, oh, okay, well, fuck you too then. But, uh, yeah, I'll go sit and relax. <laughs> yep. So, um, Luckbeak, where do you want to go first? Uh, well, uh, Nick, I'm looking at this list of locations that you've provided to yep. us, and I thought uh, Leadfoot Pit Stop was a distant relative of Luckbeak, uh, <laughs> but he's not. That's not a. That's not a Doar name. No, that's not a Doar name. Leadfoot Pit Stop is not a Doar name okay. as much as it sounds like. Damn. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm curious. I'm gonna actually head by the supply depot. That's where you're at. Oh, man. <laughs> That's where all the supplies are being unloaded yeah. from the storm yeah, yeah, yeah. bag. Uh, okay, then I'm going to wander back into the warehouse, and I'm curious what kind of supplies get supplied to this place, so I'm just going to kind of do a little cursory uh, search around the place. Yeah. Um. Are you, are you trying to be stealthy about it, or are you just trying to, like, You know, stroll? Nick, I find the best stealth is just acting like you belong somewhere. So I'm just going to be confident and casual and just walk through. Maybe I'll grab a clipboard if one is sitting on a on a bench somewhere and just sort of like look around and with my little pencil start making marks on my clipboard. No one's going to question. Hey, what's that door doing in here? Exactly. I don't know, but he looks like he looks like he knows what he's doing. So uh, let's let's not be the ones that call him out. We make ourselves look foolish. There you go. Sometimes the best stealth is a lack of stealth entirely. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um. I guess go ahead and make an investigation check. <laughs> sure. Uh, that is a 22. 22? Yeah. Uh, so you kind of mosey on through here. Luckily, it seems that most of the dwarf workers in this particular area of the warehouse are helping unload the storm rig. So you don't run into any issues and nobody questions you. Or if they do notice, it's that whole like, yeah, we're not paid enough to really question <laughs> <Right>. this. <laughs> Uh, and in this area, it seems like this is kind of where they are stockpiling various mining implements. You see picks and shovels and various other mining tools, jam bars and like that sort of thing. Even like various components, scaffolding and and other things. There seems to be some yet to be unpackaged uh, food supplies that you would imagine will end up heading over to the ale hall at some point. But with your 22 investigation check kind of moseying around you find that there is um in the back of the warehouse a large like vault door now the warehouse itself is built out of stone and you find um a wall that is clearly not the end of the warehouse uh-huh. but there is a large vault door on it basically that seems to be magically sealed you see dwarven runes that are glowing slightly etched all the way around this large circular door. Hmm. Uh, I can't read any of them, can I? No, I don't speak dwarven. No, and you get the impression that they're not words as much as they are like magic mm-hmm. sigils. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I just sort of brush up against that door, do I get any resistance magically? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Make a dexterity saving throw. Uh-oh. Okay. 16. Okay. <laughs> there is a flash of light and you are hurtled Jesus. about six feet backwards, but you react in time enough to land on your feet and not take any damage. Good Lord. Okay. 
I'm going to very sternly write something on my clipboard about that. (laughs) (laughs) That is not OSHA compliant in the least. Space OSHA is going to hear about this. (laughs) Um, Okay. Space (laughs) Space OSHA, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to kind of copy down uh, the sigils that I see uh, and... uh, just gonna take that information back to back to the group i think all right uh <laughs> uh you, nobody stops you on your way back out you do like <laughs> accidentally make eye contact with the dwarf and it looks like he's gonna say something and then he just decides not okay to. good deal <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be interfering in any business now yeah for sure He's wearing a suit and everything. Like he's clearly <laughs> supposed to be here. <laughs> oh man, my third costume should definitely be a suit. <laughs> it's just Luckbeak's naked. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, is- oh Jesus, yeah. Uh, okay. So is that all you were gonna do? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. I just wanted to look for things to steal. <laughs> okay. Classic Luckbeak. <laughs> you stumbled onto something very large. I sure did. So Ravness, what would you like to do? She was going to go to the ale hall. <laughs> the ale hall, okay. Yeah, I think that she sort of doesn't see a point in like super duper exploring right now. So I think she's just going to go straight to the ale hall and figure that uh, if the other two don't show up in 20 minutes, then she will search for them and get them out of whatever trouble they're in. Like I always assume that we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, last time we had a pit stop, like Luckbeak had an Australian accent and it was just it was a mess. <laughs> Why is it whenever something happens, it's always you three? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you go to the ale hall. You walk in and there are a lot of people in here. There is a lot of energy in this massive chamber. It's probably easily over 500 feet long with several long, like 200 foot long tables that are just in rows and like two tables deep, basically. And you see that there are just dwarves everywhere drinking and laughing and getting into fights. As you walk in, you can probably in this massive room, just like pinpoint probably about four ongoing fights happening. You see that there are like erected stages on either end of this long hall where you would imagine uh, there would be entertainment or music or something set up. However, there's currently nothing there and they do have a thick layer of dust like they haven't been occupied in quite some time. You see that there are several large arch open doorways on the other side and you can see the warm light of various hearths and you can smell various cooking coming through and you can see that there are several workers constantly shuttling trays of food and drink out of these rooms to various places around the hall. But at the same time, like, there's a lot going on here, but you almost get the, like, sense that it's as energetic in here as it is because there really isn't anything else to fucking do in this mine. People are just drinking and fighting because that's, like, it. It's not the most warm ale hall you've ever been in. <laughs> right. But the room itself is, like, think, like, Hofbro House, but, like, times, like, 20. <laughs> okay. So my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the walls, the rafters, all of the fixtures, the tables itself, it's all made out of stone and all of the shouts of this crowd bouncing around (laughs) in here, you are immediately hit with a wall of noise as soon as you hit in. And this hall right now, at this point of the day, isn't even at capacity. I don't like this. (laughs) Raptus also probably doesn't, isn't a huge fan of this. Um, 
but you know that means that no one's probably going to be paying attention to her which is a positive thing yeah um so she is going to go up and get some food and get a drink and uh grab some area where she can just sort of like sit down and wait for uh, wait for her friends sure yeah the kind of the corners of the hall are not super occupied so you can find like the end of one of these long tables that's not too terribly close to anyone else so yeah you go up and they have like large slabs of like mutton and turkey legs and various kind of meats and cheeses and breads big like you know dense whey breads um Mm -hmm. and and uh very strong dwarven ales nice Okay, this part is my kind of place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if it were quiet, it would be great. Um, yeah, so she grabs some stuff and uh, sits down and sort of like, not like, well, she tries not to like super obviously like survey the room, make sure that those fights aren't coming like too, too close to like um, where she and Marco and Luckbeak are going to be set up and stuff like that. Right. Um, it doesn't look like it, too many of them are. Um, the closest fight is actually the largest, but it, it seems to be somewhat organized as opposed to the couple of scrappy brawls happening a little mm. bit further away. That's so you're like actually the West pretty... Side Story choreographed fight. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you organized in the sense of like... They are choreographed like, with snapping. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's canon now. Um, <laughs> Sharks Love versus it. the Jets. Yeah, I understand. Moon, that's like the metaphor for uh, right. Windhelm versus Moonhammer. Yeah, <laughs> Windhelm got versus it. Moonhammer. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. It's all there. <laughs> okay, so Luckbeak, when you get there, you you see all of that. I'm not going to describe it again, but you can find Ravnus. Uh, Nick, I was not listening. If you would go ahead and start from the top, that would be great. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I trudge over to where Ravnus is. Um, and, uh, I say, all right, um, listen, Ravnus, Mm -hmm. I think we got a score here. Okay. I like, put my my book on the table and i go do you know what any of this is any of these any of these symbols um she looks at the book make an arcana check oh shoot oh wait i'm okay at that i probably should have also made an arcana check huh if you you can make one now if you'd like (laughs) oh wait i don't know why i asked you i know exactly what this is um (laughs) that's an 18 also an 18 (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh so here's the deal like luck week you know and you just want to make sure that Ravnus. You just want to make sure Ravnus. <laughs> yeah, I was just checking. You guys are both fairly certain that these are obviously some sort of protection magic, right? And obviously, like dwarven in origin, some sort of abjuration magic. Okay. It's, so it's this is like some sort of like protection, right? Like they're protecting something in here. Is is that is that is that what you're seeing too? That's what it looks like. Yeah. So. I mean, what do you think is so important that they got to put up something like this, this huge vault door, all these these runes? I mean, there's something back there, right? Doesn't that interest you? I I guess. I think that's the most interesting thing here. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm getting overexcited about nothing right now, but I mean, it could be whatever they're mining here. What are they mining here? Cinder shard. All right. I really want to believe there's a big conspiracy here, but... Really, Cinder Shard mine, huh? So it's probably just you think it's Cinder Shard. 
It might be. Yeah, that sounds right. If you mm. wanted to look around, we could, but... I don't know. Maybe. Let's see what Marco thinks when he gets here. All right. All right. As you guys are sitting there, you see Locke enter and kind of lumber his way over and get himself some food and ale and then take a seat some distance away by himself. Glare. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we will come back. Marco. Yes. You wait for Stormreg to finish being loaded, and when it is, Lugnut, Camshaft, and Gasket will crank up the Stormreg again and roll it slowly out and takes it across the thoroughfare and a little bit back towards the main bulwark that you guys came through. And you see, as you kind of turn a little bit of a corner, the Leadfoot Pit Stop, which is similar in setup to the makeshift pit stop that was erected at Storm's Eye. Some of the dwarven structures in the area seem to have been taken over by the gnomes, and they've kind of expanded a little bit to kind of make some, like, makeshift garage ports that the Storm Rigs can pull into. And uh, you see there is a rig already there, but as you pull up, it looks like it's in super bad shape. Like, you see that there are huge chunks of it, like, kind of missing. There are pieces of the metal structure are kind of twisted and sundered off. It looks like it limped its way here. I'm going to look at Camshaft and be like, are you sure that thing's about ready to push out? Because, uh, I have my doubts. Yeah, uh, I'd be inclined to agree, uh, now that I'm seeing it, truth be told. What the hell happened to it? Uh, who knows what's existing in the storm? Well... I guess I'll give it a C and see if they're ready to go, but... We do know that uh, Axel, who was at the uh, pit stop in Storm's Eye, said that they were running into more and more undead. Maybe we got lucky. Happy that we got lucky that we didn't come into whatever the hell caused that. Well, either way, I guess I'll go and see if they can deliver my letter, but I'm uh, willing to bet I might as well even just go on to the damn meat hall. Ale hall, sorry. (laughs) Well, you can always ask. Sprocket and Clutch are damn good mechanics they might have it up sooner than you think the hope springs eternal i suppose well, let's keep optimistic then and so i uh think as soon as the storm rig stops i'm going to hop out and approach this uh giant pile of work metal sure you see that there is a gnome on top who is wearing goggles and has like bright bubblegum pink hair and seems to be straining pulling a wrench trying to tighten a component on top as you approach hello um, hello? She looks around, and you can see that her goggles are super dusty, and she actually wipes them, so there's streaks in them, and she'll pull them up. Hi, can I help ya? Hi, um, I'm Marco Astorio. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Sprocket. Sprocket. Um, listen, are you going to be taking this rig back towards Storm's Eye anytime soon? Within the next two days? Ah, well, that was the plan, but, uh... It's going to be a real toss-up, to be totally honest, she says, and then there's the sound of, like, metal shearing and something big and massive clanging against the ground. (laughs) Well, we were trying to get it up and running. We were on schedule to actually leave later today. Uh, That's definitely not going to happen. Depending on if we have the spare parts around, we might be able to move on out tomorrow. But uh, beyond that, um, the dust cleaver here probably be rolling out sooner. Well, um, so is the dust cleaver ready ready to go? The dust cleaver is the one you wrote in on. Oh, sorry. That was my bad. My bad. <laughs> Your last name is Windhelm? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one was my bad. <laughs> um, well, Sprocket, um, I have a letter that needs to get to Storm's Eye as uh, soon as possible, but if it's the case that uh, there's no guarantees that this is going to leave anytime sooner than the dust cleaver... Um, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. If you, if you need anything, let me know, and maybe I can assist. 
Uh, I'll certainly let you know if I think of anything. I'm sorry we couldn't be a help. No, it's okay. It's, you know, not the end of the world or this world. You, you get what I mean. I I think so. So, um, have a good one then. And Marco is just going to turn around and walk away. So you turn around and start walking and you almost run into somebody who has like walked up off the street and approached you. And you see a dwarf with a thick black beard and black hair that is slicked back and he has like little streaks of gray in it. And he is wearing silvery armor that is very ornate and a black feathered cloak. And accompanying him is a dwarf that looks like a like a working class like miner. Um, miner like the people who work here at the yeah. mine and not a underage <laughs> dwarf. <laughs> so uh, he says... Um, Excuse me, do you know where I can uh, find a lug nut lead foot? Um, real quick, Nick, did I know where Le- did uh, did Leadfoot take off? He's not here, right? No, he's here. Him, Gasket, and Camshaft like drove the Dust Cleaver in here with you, and they're now in the process of like shutting it down and like starting to do the preliminary maintenance and stuff on it before you guys turn around to leave. So he's here. He's just like deeper into the garage. Okay, so if that's the case, um, I am going to make an insight check on this guy to see if he if I'm getting any nefarious intentions off of him. Uh, sure. Um, go ahead. Just just to make sure. Okay. Uh, let's see here. That is a sixteen. Yeah, you don't you don't get anything nefarious. Um, you definitely get the impression that he is someone who is important, or at the very least wealthy. And actually, you can see he is wearing a chain that has the Moonhammer seal on a uh, like kind of amulet. So he appears to maybe be like a Moonhammer noble, but he doesn't appear to have any nefariousness about him. Okay. Um... Now, uh, with that same insight check, the dwarf that is accompanying him looks like he's seen some better days. He looks a little run down and tired and stressed, but he has an air of hopefulness about him as he is here in this first dwarves wake so um look at that marco says uh i think he's in the back just one second let me see if he's there and uh i'm gonna head to the back and look for him yeah you see him right away he is near the front of the dust cleaver and is already looking at some of the uh forward most components the suspension and other car words um (laughs) (laughs) other boat words (laughs) suspension (laughs) radiator maybe (laughs) alternator yeah, sounds sounds all good to me. <laughs> so he walks up, um, Lugnut. Aye. There's someone here for you. Looks to be someone of um import. Uh, has like a moonhammer sim- symbol and a very ornate sort of uh outfit on. Huh. Well, good thing I put on my good shirt. He says as he like wipes his greasy hands on his like overalls, <laughs> and he will follow you back around, uh, back towards the front. All right. Uh, I'm Lugnut. Who's asking? And the dwarf will say. I'm Lord Rasmus Moonhammer, and this here is Gadman Steelcrag. And I am here because I wish to pay for the passage of several dwarven individuals when you leave this mine. And Lugnut looks a little surprised and he goes, Oh, well, uh, we just got here, so we're not going to be leaving for a couple days. Um, But that should be able to be arranged. How many were you thinking? The dwarf that Lord Rasmus said his name is Gadman steps forward and goes, oh, There's a, uh, there's um." Ten of us in total. Huh? Ten. That's a lot, uh, but uh, we should be able to do it, um, especially if we don't have any other cargo. And Gadman nods and goes, thank you, thank you. And Lord Rasmus will say, thank you, I can pay for it all up front here. 
You see, Gadmund and his companions have been laid off from the mine, and we're trying to raise money to pay for passage back. They fell short, so I took it upon myself to cover their fare. And he hands Lugnut a, a rather large sack of gold. All right, um, well, tell him to, uh, I guess tell him to meet here in, uh, two days' time. And Gadmund will nod and says, I'll do that, I'll do that, thank you. And he's going to turn and leave. Lord Rasmus is going to stand there for a second longer and kind of look at you, Marco. Now, another matter, if you don't mind. Word has it a certain Brohain Windhelm arrived on this vehicle. That is correct. Uh, do you know this Brohain well? I know him well enough. He is part of my crew. Very good. Um, can I buy you a drink then? Um, certainly. More than happy to. All right. Uh, then... Let's head to the ale hall. Very well, then. (laughs) Hey there, Nick Yurseva here, coming to you from the very last Voidfarer episode of 2020. We did it, fam. We're almost there. Thanks once again for listening. As always, be sure to give us a follow on our social media at VoidfarerPod on Twitter and at VoidfarerPodcast on Facebook. We don't want a lot this Christmas, but there is one thing we need, and that is for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Seriously, reading your thoughts and comments on our show is like Christmas morning to us every time. If you'd like to hang out and chat with us whenever you'd like, you can join the new Project Derailed community Discord. It's a cool space to chat about your favorite Derailed podcasting content, D&D, indie tabletop role-playing games, and generally just hang out with cool nerds like you. We played Among Us last week, and I'm still salty I didn't get imposter a single time. Go to bit.ly slash derailed hyphen discord to join in on the fun. The new season of Fables Around the Table is in full swing. Hosted by Voidfarer producer Tom, he, myself, Chelsea, and Cliff are playing the world-building GM-less RPG Microscope. The first episode is out now and highlights the origins of a mysterious new magic in the world, and also a conflict between mages and corporations in a cyberpunk dystopia many ages later. Check out the trailer at the end of this episode. While you're at it, also check out Taverns, Travel, and Tests, the newest member of the Derailed Network. Hosted by the aforementioned Cliff, this D&D 5e campaign is chock full of memes and Food Network references. It's a D&D show for the Guy Fieri and all of us. There will be a trailer for that also at the end of this episode. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for writing our theme song, and shout out to the band Highland Rose for the kick-ass rock version of that theme you've been hearing all chapter. The Celtic song you've been hearing is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog and is from freemusicarchive.org used under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. Additional music by purple-planet.com. This year, we're all looking for the perfect holiday gift, and today we wanted to tell you about the gallery. The gallery shop is a curated collection of photographs from all around the world. All prints are made of 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, for the holiday season, the gallery is exclusively offering our listeners 25% off your next purchase using the code FRIDAY. That's 25 off your next purchase at thegallery.com. That's the G-A-L-R-Y.com using the code FRIDAY. The Gallery. Create your perfect space. The next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land on Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. From all of us here aboard the Voidfair, happy holidays and wishing you the very best in the new year. 
Marco is looking kind of a little, like, especially with the welcome that Brohane got, a little uneasy. Um, but he is going to follow along and kind of remain a little bit more tight-lipped, but still cordial. Okay. Lord Rasmuth seems to know exactly where he's going and leads you to this great ale hall. And uh, Marco, you're greeted with the same exact, and do, do not tell me you weren't listening, the same <laughs> the same scene that I described <laughs> for Ravness. And... <laughs> This wall of noise, just these this cacophony of shouting, boisterous voices all blending together in this veritable chaos to the ears as you walk in, everything bouncing off of the stone walls and ceilings and fixtures. And Lord Rasmus will get himself an ale and grab one for you. And at that point, Marco, you do see Luckbeak and Ravness sitting off down the one end near the corner. Hey, um, for now... I am going to uh, not get them involved. Okay. Um, but I'm going to keep my eye on them, and like if I think I need some backup, I will uh, call them over. Okay. So in that case, uh, Luckbeak and Ravnus, you see Marco arrive with this lordly-looking dwarf that you don't recognize, and they both get ales, and you kind of see like Marco give a glance to you, but then mm-hmm. sit down with this dwarf somewhere else. Uh, betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> This is the high school cafeteria. I know. I'm like, I've seen this movie. I know how it works. (laughs) Is there there anything, Tanner, that I can read into Marco's brief glance? Like, does he look, like, panicked? Like, um, I'm feeling like he would have sat with us unless something was wrong. He, I think that you could easily see that he's certainly not at ease. Um, However, he's not panicking. Like, it's not like he has a gun to his back. Right. But you could tell that, like... Clearly, he doesn't know what's going on and is trying to remain stone-faced. Okay. Um, you think he needs help? That looks weird. We should go over. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go over, but I'm going to try to remain socially cognizant uh, to try and... Because I know Ravnus is not. So as we walk over, I'm going to watch <laughs> Marco's face. And if he like gives me the, like, mm, cut it out, don't come over here. You know, any signals like that. Um... Marco's thought process here was to try to, like, keep his, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, keep numbers hidden. So, like, oh, here is all of Brohane's associates and what they look Mm -hmm. like. But as you all are walking, I think that he would probably, like, just be like, okay, they're coming. Um, And be like, (laughs) Luckbeak, Ravnus, sir, Mr. Moonhammer, correct? Uh, Lord Rasmus Moonhammer, friends of yours. Lord Moonhammer, yes, these are also, um, we're all crewmates together. This is Ravnus and Luckbeak. Before you even get the introduction out, he turns and says, two more ales, please. Nice, because Ravnus in my head had already brought her ale and food over with her, so she's going to be double fisting. (laughs) Yes, it doesn't matter. You showed up and he bought two more ales. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Uh, So uh, this Lord Rasmus will then say, so, uh, Luckbeak and Ravnus, then. Yeah, nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you as well. As I mentioned to uh, your friend here, Marco, I had heard that Brohain Windhelm has arrived at the mine on the same rig that the three of you have. Yes, that's, uh, I kind of like sneak a glance at Marco. That's, that's right. I yeah. am his uncle. Oh. Oh. Okay. Interesting. He didn't mention he had family here or nothing. Yeah. If his disposition towards the family is still what it was last I was aware, that doesn't surprise me in the least. 
Huh. Okay. Well, why, what, what's the rift? I mean, if you don't mind me getting too personal so quick. Well, uh, Brohain's mother was my sister. And uh, there was an accident, and unfortunately, she didn't survive. Ah. And that kind of drove a wedge between our two clans. Right. And uh, Brohain did not take kindly to it. Um, the politics around it um, ended up sort of... Uh, it wasn't kind to the Windhelm clan. It's, it was unfortunate, but un- unfortunately... Uh, Higher ups the chain than myself on the Moonhammer side were responsible. Right. I'm gonna make an insight check. Go ahead. And what what were you saying, Tanner? Oh yes, Brohain filled me in on a little bit of this information back on the uh, the trip over here. A little bit, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, um, Marco's trying to still keep his guard up in case like right, something weird right. happens. Like six minutes of uninterrupted lore dump. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I felt low key bad about it while I was editing. <laughs> um, that's a natural twenty plus zero. God damn. 20. <laughs> okay. I know these these skull dice roll so nicely. Nice. So, yeah, he seems to be telling the truth. Um, you definitely do not get the impression that he means Brohane any ill will. With a natural 20, you do also, like, get the impression that he hasn't quite said everything, but you definitely can confirm at least what he's said so far. But, like, he seems sincere, right? He that, does seem sincere. Okay. That's, I think, kind of more what she was worried about. Right. He um, seems sincere. Yeah. So... Um, this, uh, Brohane did share a little bit with me on the trip over here. Um, I'm happy to hear that he has family here, but, uh, if you don't mind me asking, we're, we're all four sitting here and I noticed Brohane isn't sitting here. Um, is there a reason you came to his crewmates? Yes. Uh, as I said, Brohane has not had contact with the Moonhammer side of his family in some time since since the incident and the subsequent um, conflict that occurred. Um, I wanted to get a feel for what his disposition was like before I approached him and he perhaps jumped to any rash conclusions. You mentioned that he's told you a little of his past with the Moonhammers. Has he mentioned what his current opinions of uh, the clan are? Of the Windhelm clan or the Moonhammer clan? The Moonhammer specifically, but I guess the Windhelms as well. Um, I, I understand there was some uh, disagreements on the Windhelm side as well, but I'm specifically asking about the Moonhammers. So Marco is going to be diplomatic. Uh, and he's going to say, <laughs> um, from what we've talked about, I think the relationship is still quite strained. Hey. I think the correct term in Marco's mind is fuck the moon hammers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You are translating for politeness. (laughs) Uh, He says, I, I, I figured that might've been the case. And I'll just say uh, Ravness, uh, since you seem to be kind of locked into his disposition, um, he doesn't seem disappointed by that news that Brohane still has an ax to grind against the moon hammers. Okay. I see. So, uh, I guess, Kanya, tell me a little bit about what he's been up to uh, in this time. It's been uh, damn near a decade, really. Listen, um, before we do, and I'm more than happy to at least regale some of our general stories since I've come to know him, but uh, would you like to talk? I mean, he's here. He's physically here. I, I'm i aware. <laughs> I'm, I, I will talk to him when I'm ready to talk to him. Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean... 
because, and I kind of look to the other two, I'm going to be honest with you, like, yeah, we're his crewmates, but, I mean, we're not, like, his best friends or nothing. I mean, Marco, you probably talked to him today more than I've seen you talk to him ever. Um, So, like, I mean, I don't know that we're going to be the best people to be able to tell you whether, you know, his disposition is well on the Windjammers and the Moonhames or... You know, your your whole thing, whatever you do, like, um, I, I mean, y- you know what I'm saying here? I understand. Let me put it this way. I want to approach Burrowhane about, uh, I guess, new developments within the Moonhammers. And forgive me if I'm not going to go into the specifics of that with the three of you. But what I wanted to know is if it was even worth breaching the subject with him if he was willing to give me the time of day it's not worth telling us about but it is worth asking us about that doesn't make sense i'm asking you about brohan <laughs> um you are family and from the time that i have talked with him he seems to have a strange and complicated relationship i don't think it's all hate so i think he would give you the time of day however i wouldn't expect this to be a friendly leisurely chat sir all right well, I guess that's what I wanted to know. So I thank you for your time and I uh, hope you enjoy your ales. And um, I'll be reaching out to Brohane. You can let him know you had this conversation with me if you like, but uh, he'll certainly be hearing from me. Thank you, Lord Moonhammer. Um, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for the drinks. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure meeting all of you. And he'll get up and he'll leave. So after he leaves, I'm going to look to the others and say, um, I'm sorry I wasn't forthright before. I was worried that he had nefarious intentions and didn't want you all to be uh, caught if uh, he was going to, like, kidnap me or something. Wait, so you would have rather gotten kidnapped alone with nobody knowing where you are? (laughs) Well, I would rather you two not be kidnapped um, than just me. Hmm. If it's... Because if all three of us get kidnapped, we can figure it out together, or you all can come rescue me. I mean, if it's worth considering, you weren't alone. Not really, anyway. You enjoy that, Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> Tanner, you hear in the back of your head. <laughs> Regardless, the, the idea being um, that if once you noticed me, if suddenly I went disappearing into a black bag, you would know that something weird was going yeah, on here. Yeah, okay. All right. That makes sense. Uh, Probably maybe overly paranoid. Right, right. For sure. Huh. Uh. Well, I guess there ain't much we can do about that i definitely don't want to tell him that his uncle's looking for him right i mean what if he never contacts it just make more drama than it would solve right why wouldn't we tell him well i mean what if it just puts him on edge and and his uncle decides it ain't worth the trouble and i don't know it just seems like unnecessary stress to add to somebody's life i would want to know all right Whenever I talk to Brohane on the uh, storm rig heading over here, he's been talking very candidly about his family and his past. Um, I think you would want to know compared to not being surprised. Okay. Well, then, hey, let's let's do that thing. What do you think that they could possibly want, though? Like, just spitballing here. I mean, are they going to try to take Brohane away from us? I mean, I ain't the best person to ask. You ask me what a long-lost family member wants, and the answer's probably a couple gold pieces. But, I don't know. I don't know this guy from Adam, so... He certainly doesn't look like he's strapped for cash. Yeah, what, you called him Lord Moonhammer? 
That, that was how he introduced himself. What's that mean? He's got land, right? I would suppose so. I mean, the Moonhammer Brohane was mentioning is the most powerful of the Dwarven clans, and uh, that jacket that he was wearing suggested that he certainly does not worry about finances at the end of the month. Shit, now I wish we would have gotten in good with him. I would have made up whatever I wanted to make up about Brohane if I could be a friend to a lord. That'd be cool. <laughs> he didn't seem all that disappointed that they were estranged. Yeah, it seems to be more of a, I'm gonna, you know, deal with my personal guilt about your mom's death rather than I really want to reconnect with you, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Mm. So, does any, do you all remember where Brohane ran off to? Oh yeah, that's right, he was taken, that's right, he was taken to the, oh good lord, he's with Brawla. <laughs> oh, that poor man. <laughs> Not a fate I'd wish upon anyone, alone with Brawla. <laughs> he's alone in the luxury love suite with Brawla. <laughs> uh, at that point you see Locke approaching the three of you oh this is going to be interesting alright heads up <laughs> he approaches finishing like his tankard of ale and when he arrives there he looks at you Luckbeak and says are you still interested yeah absolutely I am you should follow me then Hey, this Brohane thing is real cool. I hope you guys have fun with it. He'll turn and start walking, and then he'll stop for a second and turn to Ravnus and Marco and says, You can come if you like, or don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'll go find Brohane if it's uh, no offense taken. I'm going to follow these two. All right, uh, well... I will see you all later. Maybe back up in the love suite. Sounds good. Meet you in the love suite <laughs> later, bud. I'm now. I'm calling it the love suite. The love suite. Oh gosh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um. Okay. So Locke lumbers his way out of the ale hall and back out onto the main thoroughfare through this mining settlement. He turns like deeper into the settlement from the entrance that you guys came through. You can see the kind of like layered dwarven residences that kind of rise up along the edges of the cavern all the way around. And you can kind of see the raised what you would imagine is the clan lodge that is on the far side of the cavern. But he is leading you to a collection of scaffolding in the middle. And uh, as you approach, you can see that it looks like it's the entrance to the mine. There's a natural recess in the center of this cavern that drops probably about 30, 40 feet and levels back out again. But then at the bottom of that, the ground has been neatly carved away into a diagonal shaft that probably descends at like a pretty steep 45 degree angle and there is scaffolding built up around and it looks like there is a lift that kind of traverses that angular shaft he reaches the scaffolding and goes down some steps and as you reach the bottom of this recess he instead of going to the the shaft lift itself leads you off to the side off of this recess looks like it is an artificially dug quarry almost large uh, in its own right but nothing compared to like the cavern that you're in there's scaffolding built around the outside, and you can see that there is a circular ring of stone inset in the floor, dwarven cut and mason, and inside of this ring is fine sand, and there are dwarven runes on the four keystones located in what appears to be the cardinal directions of this ring. And you actually see that there is a raised stone platform near the edge, and there is a dwarf standing on it, 
gesticulating in the air, and you can see hovering above this ring is a almost hologram-like three-dimensional map of the mine. As you get closer, you see that it seems to be made from the levitating sand grains. Luckbeak, you've seen something like this before. Mm-hmm. It reminds you of the navigation map aboard sure. the Xenus Syndicate dwarven ship that you briefly infiltrated. Right. And you can see that this dwarf is like kind of uh, gesturing in the air and it's kind of rotating this three-dimensional map of the mine. You can see the opaque representation of the mining settlement on top with this diagonal shaft that kind of extends down and down and down, cutting through the entire map itself. And then various tunnels zigzagging off in various directions. And you can see that there is several kind of jagged orange like masses that kind of crisscross this entire map. And you can also see there appears to be some of the mining structures that seems to be out of place. And they're actually kind of glimmering slightly like they're made of um, this colored green sand grains as opposed to the uh, like kind of reds and browns of the rest of the map. And as you guys approach, the dwarf that seems to be manipulating the map kind of glances down and says, Oh, Locke, you've come back. I was wondering when we'd see you around these parts. Yeah. Is this a bad time? No, 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 this is fine. Uh, I can uh, get it uh, set up for you if you like. Uh, just make sure you're not telling anybody. Nah, you know me. And he will toss this dwarf a sack of coins. Not too big, but enough that there's a hefty clink. And the dwarf catches it. And uh, the dwarf will say to Locke, Friends of yours? Yeah, we're here for the show. All right, all right. Well, let me just take the map of the mine here down. And he kind of rotates, rotates it and uh, uh, just kind of like making friendly conversation to, to you two. He goes, have you seen a map like this before? Why? To, to- yeah, Ravnus is silent. <laughs> no, m- many people haven't. And it's it's a sight to behold. Uh, I Look, it's, I'm fascinated with uh, technology. You know, you see all of the different uh, features of the mine um, appear. Uh, the The... Uh, veins of Sindershard uh, traveling through the mountain here. Uh, he says, rotating it. And uh, and you can even see in the green uh, the uh, ancient Kratorian structures that this mine was expanded from. Oh, damn. <laughs> 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 I chose wrong. <laughs> um, that's pretty cool. So that's what the green things are there? Uh, yeah, highlighted in green is the structures that were pre-existing before we built the mine. Huh. Now, how does this all work? Is this a spell or is this... What is it? Uh, it's a uh, um, uh, newer, newer developed uh, dwarven rune magic, not dissimilar than the uh, rune drives and, and the like, uh, but the, the runes on the keystones here, um, he gestures to the stones and set into the stone ring on the ground that contains the sand in this pit. And he says, those runes can manipulate the properties of the sand within the ring, and then uh, these somatic gestures can be used to instruct the runes to rearrange the sand to display whatever we like. Huh. Dwarven rune magic. All right. Interesting. Locke seems to be impatient, and he says, All right, all right. Well, just make it show what I want. <laughs> the dwarf will go, All right, all right, fine, fine. And he gestures his hand slightly, and you see suddenly this floating three-dimensional map of the mine. All of the sand grains just fall in this cascade of sand and just <laughs> back into the pit. 
and the dwarf gestures his hand again, and you see the sand rise up in several places to take the form of humanoid-like figures, almost in a, like, Spider-Man, the Sandman mm -hmm. kind of way. And the dwarf raises his hand again, and they start moving around. And Locke will um, quickly unpolster one of his pistols and shoot at one. And you quickly realize that Locke has basically paid this guy to turn the surveying map of the mine into a moving interactive shooting gallery. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that's glorious. Wow, using science for its <laughs> intended purpose. I love it. And Locke does indeed hit. And he hits it in uh, the sand um, kind of effigy in the leg. And the sand like kind of collapses into a pile. Um, he'll unholster one of his other guns and hand it pommel first to you, Luckbeak. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, I take it and uh, I kind of inspect its heft and then sort of take aim towards the thing. Now, it is a pistol for Locke, but it is basically like a rifle. In right. Yeah. Humongous. <laughs> So I try to I try to pretend like I know what I'm doing and just sort of like yeah. buttress it up against my shoulder so that it's not gonna like give me this huge blowback and uh, you know uh, <laughs> so so I'm I'm going to any anything I should like know before I just take off here. The bullet comes out of that end. He points <laughs> at the, <laughs> the the muzzle of the. All right, uh, and then I uh, take a shot. All right, go ahead and roll an attack roll. You uh, can add your dexterity modifier, but you do not get to add your proficiency bonus. Okay. Uh, that's a 16. Okay. Um, so there are a couple different targets, including some standing still ones, but uh, fuck that. <laughs> and uh, you hit one of the moving targets just square in the <laughs> chest, and it explodes. Well and, and Locke nods and goes, not bad. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had some practice with that crossbow. This ain't too much different. Nah, hell's a lot of more kickback. No, because... Also, you have three more shots before you have to reload. Okay. And you see the uh, rotating magazine in it has three more chambers with bullets. Uh, all right. I could, I, could, I could do this all day. And we zoom X-ray into Luckbeak's broken shoulder already from <laughs> <laughs> one shot. Yeah, you'd probably do with one that's a little bit more fitted for your size. All right, all right. Uh, I know a gunsmith back on the deer, so if you really take a liking, I'm going to point you in her direction. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going to take some more practice shots and... Yeah. Sure. Ravnus, were you doing anything in particular, or were you just kind of, like, watching? Sulking. <laughs> no, she's, she's just watching, um, probably, like visibly glaring at, at Locke the whole time, but no, she's not she's not doing anything other than being salty. Uh -huh. um, she she really just followed because she has um this like horrible bone to pick with Locke and like convinced herself that something horrible would happen if she didn't follow. So that's why she's there. Uh so so Luckbeak, you're you're taking some shots. Uh you're you're actually not bad. Uh you're you're not hitting every shot. Um, but luckily, the, the surrounding room is nothing but like this open faced <laughs> quarry. So like the bullets just kind of like sure, ping into sure. the dirt like yeah. bank. And Luckbeak, Ulock will occasionally give you like little pointers about how to like kind of brace it a little bit and how to like lead the target and how to use the sights and stuff like that. Um, and at one point, Locke will look over at you, Ravnus, and go, what? What's your problem? You want to try? No. <laughs> just no. 
Yeah, <laughs> just says no. <laughs> Still pissed I shot you then. Ha. I don't blame you. That's not what I'm mad about. He'll kind of shrug. I guess that's your problem then. Why do you care so much about this? I don't. You're helping him and you have no reason to. Why not? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Has he? Does he? (laughs) He's taking an interest. I guess. Why is that strange to you? Why would you go out of your way to help someone that you don't even know? Well, I didn't at first. It just doesn't seem like you. That's all. Do you really know me? No, but from what you've presented, it just seems strange. Hmm. Well, his heart seems to be in the right place. And that's all I really need. Give him a chance. You got anything to add? <laughs> he looks down at Luckfeet. <laughs> After they've been talking about Luckfeet, like he hasn't been there. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of wondered how far away they were from me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Luckbeak's right there. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, yeah, hey, wait. Why did you change your mind? Remember what I said? It takes to wield one of these. It takes grit, tenacity. That's true. And I think you've proved me you had it, but there's something more. Wielding these comes with a lot of power. I wanted to be sure you would use it right, for the right reasons. And after traveling these few days, how your friends care about you. That one, ready to jump on a bloody fucking dinosaur to save you. Good enough for me. Alright. Well, there you go, Ravnus. I'm a good person. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. But I am watching you. Watch all you like. Don't point that thing at me. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. We we were talking. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I got distracted. (laughs) And your trigger discipline's terrible. (laughs) You don't put your flipper on the triggers. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Oh, jeez. I'll get this. <laughs> the romantic tension is palpable. And I love it. I already named the ship. It's the Loch Ness yeah. Monster. I hate. I, oh, I, I no. hate that. That I do hate, but it's I also so love it. Oh. <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster. Um, Lockbeak was right there for you. Mm, <laughs> Lockbeak is another good one. Alrighty, so Marco, you head to the Clan Lodge. Correct. You see that uh, this structure is this large, extravagant, like estate-like structure. Um, it even has like uh, like an outer stone wall. Okay. And there are two guards standing at the front gate in Moonhammer livery. Um, sure enough, I approach the gate. Stay in name and business. Uh, Marco Astorio, and I am with uh, Brohane Windhelm and Brala Brala. <laughs> Iron Dust is her, <laughs> is her I, I, last name. I got that one written down. I thought it'd be good for continuity's sake. Oh yeah, Marco definitely doesn't know Brawla's last name. <laughs> he heard um, it before, but it just didn't sink in. So I'm like Brawla, right. Brawla. <laughs> this would be the running thing that like Marco's just terrible at names. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they look at each other and go, "All right," and uh, they will open the gate and let you in. Um, I, as I walk in, I say, um, could you point me where the room is? 
There will be an attendant inside that'll show you the way. All right, thank you. You actually see that inside the wall is a very well-kept, like, garden, which is strange because you are underground, but there are, like, plants and topiaries and grass and, and stuff within the walls of this property, and you follow the path kind of up to the entrance of the structure, which is built into the side of this cavern. So you enter and you see that there is a kind of, like, large foyer the architecture is still like the polished stone with the like intricate braid like dwarven designs kind of through everything almost like brutalist style architecture but it has this like kind of norse flair to it very dwarven yes very dwarven (laughs) and you see that carved in the ceiling above the door is the crest of the moon hammers which is a a crescent moon inset over a anvil Okay. I look around looking for the nearest attendant I can find. Yeah, uh, you see there is a dwarf in a uniform. How can I be a service to you? Hello, friend. Um, I am here with Brohane Windhelm and uh, Brawla Iron... Iron... Um, Brawla. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's like a little, like, concierge-type desk there, and he will pull out a book. Oh, all right. They are staying in the King's Suite. Here, I will show you the way. Uh, Thank you so much. He will lead you to the back of this chamber up a spiral staircase and not the next floor, but the floor above it, which appears to be the top. Okay. This opens up and it seems like the entire top level of this rather large building is one gigantic suite with like probably like a dozen various rooms, not including like a master bedroom which is kind of on the front that you can see through the doors has windows that look out over the entire cavern. And uh, you see that there's like a large like sitting room and there's like a stone kind of chandelier hanging. And uh, it's very fancy. It's like, yeah, it's bougie dwarf. Uh huh. So um, I just like to look to the, to the receptionist and be like, Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate all your assistance. Anything for the staff of Brohain Windhelm. Um, do you take uh, tips or is this... Uh... Oh, of course not. Oh, okay. Just make it... Not sure what the formalities were here. Thank you so much. You are with Brohane Windhelm. Your money is not good. Well, thank you again. I will be tending to uh, Brohane now. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind of like a little like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like even still surprised a little bit of like the level that Brohane is at here. Yeah. Um. So as you approach, you hear Brawla's voice coming from the master bedroom, which the doors are open, but you can't kind of see like the bed or anything in there. And you just hear her saying, oh, this bed is so fucking comfortable. (laughs) Oh, the usual accommodations that I get here are nothing compared to this. You know, I'm going to talk to somebody next time. This place is going to spoil me. So I am slightly concerned about what would happen if I just opened this door. So I'm just going oh, to... Uh, the door is open. It, the door wasn't shut. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it appears that the bed is like around the corner. You can't see it from the door. So I will knock on the frame. Brohane, Brawla, are you both there? Uh, I'm I'm here, uh, Brawla says. And actually you hear a door creak from your peripheral and one of the side doors open from one of the other bedrooms. That's not the master <laughs> bedroom. And Brohane opens it. Yeah, I'm here, Oh, Marco. thank God. I was afraid of what I was about to walk in on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, I thought if I just let her have the master bedroom, it would shut her up, and I was very wrong. Um, listen, <laughs> Brohane, I know you've had a long trip, as we all have, but um, I think I should talk with you real quick about something. Uh, sure, sure. Um, so, after trying to get my letters sent, I actually ran into your uncle, Lord Rasmus Moonhammer. Uncle, you... Uh, here? Yes. Um, he helped a couple of dwarves secure passage back to, uh, Storm's Eye, and I'm assuming Storm's End. And after that, he, um, bought me a drink, as well as Luckbeak and Ravnus, and then, um, started asking about you and wondering how you were doing and what you'd been up to. Interesting. I haven't talked to him in almost a decade. From the sound of it, it sounds like he has maybe a proposition for you. I don't know what kind of proposition that might be, but uh, <laughs> he is here, and he is certainly looking for you. Um, I think he said that he would seek you out in his own time. All right, then I guess I'm going to wait for that. That's interesting. I haven't talked to him in forever, but truth be told, he wasn't the worst of them. Well, I'm very happy with that, because whenever he showed up, I was slightly concerned on what I might be expecting. Him and my mother were close, but all right. Uh, well, thank you for letting me know. Uh, not quite sure what that's about. Of course. Um, are we all staying here, or does Ravnus, Luckbeak, and I have another room? Oh, uh, yeah, there's uh, nearly a dozen <laughs> various rooms in this suite. Uh, so, yeah, oh, um, sure. they can stay here. Uh, and I'm really annoyed with all the pomp and circumstance, but honestly, if uh, I can take this hospitality away from the Moonhammers and cost them a bunch of money, I'm not going to complain, honestly. Ira has her own room, I'm sh and she's a construct that has no concept of comfort at all, and I have her on the bed right now. Well, she's going to leave all kinds of grease stains, but it's for the Moonhammers to figure out, honestly. I can't complain with that, then. Um... I was even kind of surprised at the warm welcome that I received whenever I was coming in here. Apparently, I am your servant. Uh, yeah, they jump to conclusions. Clearly. He, he, he says, uh, turning back to the direction of the master bedroom. <laughs> so would you like me to dress in a butler outfit then? I mean, I can certainly... Uh... I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> <laughs> you wear whatever the fuck you want because I'm going to wear whatever the fuck I want. He gestures down to his, like like normal like voidfarer crew outfit with his goggles and like work apron <laughs> um of course your highness whatever you wish and kind of bows to him oh don't even fucking start with that <laughs> okay okay <laughs> i'll see to you that you walk back to storm's edge <laughs> all right all right i'm sure luck beacon ravenous will be joining us soon they ran off with Locke to do God knows what. I'm sure it's boring. <laughs> and there's absolutely no Kratorian anything anywhere nearby. So, we're playing this game called Microscope. Industrial technology emerges as a new force, wiping away the old values of emotion, intuition, and magic. Alien influence. Dragons in the yes column. <laughs>
Uh, I would like to, yes, soulmates. It is an event during the Dragon Wars called the Purge of Worms. I get the impression that you are unpersuaded by my words. Perhaps my actions would be more... Suddenly her eyes snap open. It's so hard to see anything through these tears. I am the Forge. The uh, head guard screams. So I'm gonna be bold. We're trying to end a war here, not make toys for your kids. Oh, don't worry, Chickadee, I got this. That sounds almost like something we'd make up in stories from long ago. Hi, I'm Cliff, and welcome to Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Join us every second and fourth Monday of each month as I join my friends Ben, Hazir, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Serial, as we explore the wide world of Castia, seeking out the juiciest long-forgotten secrets, and share some hearty laughs in this D&D 5th edition real play podcast. It's like a rib burn-off, <laughs> but in a fantasy world. If there's something to be done for some coin, they've probably already handled it. I travel to entertain and to... Do other <laughs> For more information about taverns, travel, and tests, and all of the other great shows on the Project Derailed Network, visit projectderailed.com and look for us wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Projectderailed.com